Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me as always, Zach Bartles. Zach, we finally figured out how to count, man. Uh, actually, I'm going to tell you that the, the time you thought it was horribly off, it sounded on to me. And then the time that it sounded on to you, it sounded horribly off. You know what I think is going on? What's that? I think that the signal containing our voices is going like to space and it takes a second <laughs> but but you know that there is someone else here i'm at a public park right now and there is somebody kind of giving me the side eye like why is this grown man like counting in in, in a really kind of uh uh what's the word kind of hesitant way as if he's just learning you right. know and then and then all rejoicing into his telephone we did it we counted <laughs> we did it we graduated kindergarten <laughs> oh man i i tell you what i've had a weird couple days i um i had a guy wandering around in my church that was uh had some mental issues and uh then I had a, a guy sleeping in front of the door this morning in a sleeping bag. He was just trying to get out of the rain, went under our portico. I've, I have had just like, you know how like, uh, what do you, Chicago Hope or ER or more yeah. recent shows of the same ilk that I don't know about, Grey's Anatomy maybe, um, they, they'll like work in like three months worth of hospital ER stuff into like one night to make it seem way more interesting and exciting. Right, right. I feel like that's like what the last week has been for me. <laughs> like, like normally it would take a long time for all this wacky stuff to happen. I've been, I have had all sorts of strange um, issues with people coming into the church who don't have a connection. I've had people are dying all of a sudden. It's It's just been odd, man. So... Uh, it's nice to have the podcast here to be, uh, you know, an anchor in the storm. That's right. And also Jesus. Jesus too does does that. Jesus does that too. Let's let's give him <laughs> and the his podcast. credit. <laughs> let's give the gospel credit where credits due. <laughs> oh man. <coughs> well, before we get into our topic today, which uh, you you actually uh, when we first got on Zach, you were like, "Hey, I've got uh, something that I really want to talk about." And I think it's going to fit with what we were going to talk about last week, uh, which we teased out in when we did the Dragon Prince one. And that is, you know, things that Christians kind of blow out of proportion and make a big deal about, which really aren't a big deal. And then things that Christians should be making a bigger deal about and they don't. Um, and so I really think, you know, what you want to talk about, some of the things that you're seeing on Twitter uh, that we're going to talk about is really going to fit in. But before we do that, of course, we have, as always, our lovely, lovely sponsors, Mission Aware. Gotta, gotta love Mission Aware, man. Um, how have they been treating you guys over at Gut Check recently? Gut Check is uh, actually powered down, and uh, our our corporate head has been cut off and placed in the deep freeze, much like Walt Disney. Um, personally. Mission Aware has not treated me too well lately. Uh, I'm I'm waiting on a little love from Mission Aware in the form of a little gift card. There's been talk. There hasn't been a gift card. Um, but Clinch is about to start up again just a couple months late. Um, so I have hope that uh, our, our email um, verbal... It's not verbal. It's written. Our written agreements are going to... <laughs> Be followed through on, and and uh, and I'll be singing the praises of Missional Aware again soon. 
Nice, nice. Now salvage that, man, and make it sound like we are all excited about Missional Wear. Well, you know, I, I really, uh, over here at These Go to 11, have not had a bad experience with Missional Wear. I mean, you know, remember, Zach, that uh, before summer hit, they really hooked us up big with that giveaway we did um, and took care of all of our listeners for that. Um, and, you know, they've, I mean, they've hooked Greg and I up pretty well over, over the years. So I'll have to see if they can send you some sweet, sweet love from these go to 11. Uh, make sure that you get uh, something sweet over there. So, um, you know, at well, the I'm no, least, I'm no Greg, you know, I mean, <laughs> Judas, I'm just me. At the very least, I got to get them to send you some of the, these go to 11 products, just, you know. The uh, the beer mug and the uh, see if I can get them to send you the Yeti tumbler so that way you can keep your drinks cold for years and years to come. <laughs> um, and of course, as always, uh, well, actually, not as always. Uh, last week we made the announcement: uh, Honey Go Wine and Spirits, they're doing their beer fest. It is this Saturday um, on. Uh, October 6th, so it is from 12 to 4. Looking forward to uh, seeing some people out there. Um, I just talked to Greg. He's planning on coming out and hanging out for the day with his father. So I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, getting out there and meeting up with uh, people from our church. I know um, usually I'll see a dozen or so people from the church come out. It's always a great time to chat with them and get caught up with what's going on. And so Honey Go Wine and Spirits Beer Fest. Um, check it out. Go to the website. Um, go to tw- go to the Twitter page and see what's going on with them. That was definitive proof that you are Baptist, dude. <laughs> we, we've been doing something for two weeks, and you said, you know, as we've always done. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's how you know you're Baptist. As we've always we've always done it this way. We talk about this event. <laughs> And I'm personally offended that you would suggest we stop when the event is over. That's right. <laughs> We're just going to, well, you know, it's funny because um, here in Maryland, October, really through mid-November, is like beer fest month. So you can find you can find different beer fests all over the state and uh, different things going on. Uh, I think the Renaissance Fair goes from about mid-August until mid-November, and there's always cool stuff there that's going on and uh, people can get into. So, yeah, there's always something going on around this time of the year, which is pretty cool. What about um, up there? Do you guys have stuff going on all the time? Beer-wise, I don't know. I mean, there's uh, 1,300 billion microbreweries uh, in in the college town I live in and in Grand Rapids nearby. Um, it, Renaissance wise, my son and I went to the last day of the Renaissance Festival uh, this that? past weekend. Oh, it was great! It, oh, it was spectacular. We watched a little jousting. Um, didn't get the giant turkey leg, okay. but you know we we did still have uh, some some good eats. Man, it was it was good. He I, I bought him a uh, a big wooden sword that's about as big as he is. Nice and uh, yeah, we had we had a fun time. Um, you know, the, the glass blowing stuff is, yeah. is pretty interesting to me. We watched a guy who, like a like a pyro guy who was like uh, you know flames all over and propane and camp fuel and stuff and yep. burning and a good clean fun. You know, that's awesome. Were there any uh, blacksmiths or anything working with metal? 
No, I didn't. I mean, we this there's a place up here. It's in Holly, Michigan, which is kind of between Flint and Detroit. And it, it's called, ooh, I'm going to get this wrong, Holly Cove or something like that. It's literally acres and acres of permanent Renaissance festival. So it's, it's streets, buildings, all of them very medieval and odd looking, you know, really, in, it looks like, you know, a, a graphic novel. You've walked into it. It's oh, cool. Then, you know, you also have the wagons and the tents and all the temporary stuff. Yeah, but yeah, we had we had a wonderful time, and, and um, a lot of people. You know, the, the only thing is, you go there, man. You, you're a, you're a gentleman following the Lord. You gotta you gotta keep your eyes on freaking lock, man. Because uh, yeah, the, the people who are trying to to uh, cosplay it up and get into period costume and stuff. Uh, it, yeah, so luckily my son at this point is not. You know, he's he's pre pre puberty. And and he he would have no reason to want his eyes to wander around. So, um, you know, it, it was all just good, clean fun. Um, and you know, th- there was the the uh, guy. You know, there all these people are, are like carnies essentially, right? And someone's going to be really angry that I made the comparison. But they're they're traveling around the country, most of them, from Renaissance Fair to Renaissance Fair. And there was a number of people who had no discernible talent. They just had like. Uh, something to look at and and a hat to pass at the end and and enjoyed doing it and <laughs> I don't know it's a really interesting there's nothing quite like the Renaissance festival you know it's it's its own animal and and, and I hadn't been to one in years so it was fun that's great yeah I, I it's been a long time since I since I've been to one as well so I really you know I couldn't tell you a whole lot of what goes on there but the one thing I do remember is the big turkey leg. That's the one thing that always sticks out in my mind when I think about it. Now, do you guys have like a, a permanent setup, uh, or, or is it generally things that are thrown up and, and pieced together? Yeah, yeah, it's it's generally things that are thrown up and kind of it's it's housed for a longer period of time. So it's it's during the fall period of time. Um, I don't know if there's another one that is more permanent but the big one that people seem to talk about like i said it goes from like mid-august until about mid-november uh and then it kind of shuts down and and is not going on anymore and and it's more the temporary situation so i think they if i remember correctly they use that uh field or that property it's bigger than a field but that property that they're in uh is used for multiple things throughout the year so um but somebody else who knows a little bit more about what goes on here in Maryland can can uh, text in and tell me I was wrong or call in or email in or whatever. Um, yeah, the, the last time I was at a Renaissance Festival was up in New Hampshire, so it's been years and years. You get all decked out, man, like a, like a medieval knight or, or you make pretend that you're a blacksmith. No, it was it was just going with my dad. So you know, we were just kind of hanging out, and we were mostly there for the food. So <laughs> cool, very fun. I mean, it, my my son is definitely going to want to go back at least for the next couple of years. I mean, he, at some point, it may become lame or something. But yeah, he, we had a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Now, was he? Did he seem like? Is he the type of person who's interested in like dressing up and joining in in the festivities and all that stuff, or is he cool just to like? No, nah, he's low key, man. He's not gonna want to. He's not gonna want to do that. He he liked wearing this, his new sword around um, for the yeah. the last part of the day. Yeah, nice. and you know when it's a Saturday, we had a bolt because I had work to do that night and stuff. But 
Yeah, it's sure. it, that kind of thing to me. It's it's majorly uh, kind of dwindling returns. You you get there and it's all new and cool and and you know all the different craftsmanship and all the little shops and everything and the different smells and then within an hour you're like dude all of these shops are selling the same exact sort of thing you know how many how many carved dragons you know that hold incense and it looks like it's coming out of their nostrils can i look at before you know it's kind of lost right. its luster and and so i don't know i i feel like my favorite thing to imagine is is like a, a court uh, sentencing Ted Clark to have to go to one of these things because <laughs> it's possible he would literally either lose his mind or like you know try and hang himself with his belt or something. Um, it, I I do tend to enjoy that you know there's a lot of people together a lot of you know there's a certain just kind of random camaraderie just for being there like the fact yeah. that you came here and I came here means we've got this thing in common and that's a nice feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think that's true about a lot of stuff, you know, um, what, you know, people having those connections and those links, no matter what they are, whether it's, you know, people who play, you know, we talked about role playing games, you know, uh, many, many episodes ago, you know, and there's kind of a camaraderie there, you know, people who go to things like Comic-Con and, you know, medieval festivals and, you know, I mean, you have, you know, so many different groups and organizations just for people to kind of bond and come together and, you know, give the, give the nod and be like, Hey, yeah, we, you know, we've got this in common, even though maybe outside of this thing, we would have absolutely nothing else in common. So it's kind of, you know, kind of a cool thing. So sometimes I feel on the outside though, when you go to something like we, we went for years to a train show. Um, my son was super into Thomas, of course. And then there was this other, um, blasted thing called Chuggington. Uh, and if you have small children, you probably know what that is all about. But, uh, so I had like a regular HO scale, uh, train, model train, and we would go and buy new cars and stuff. And I always felt sort of like I wasn't quite in there. You know, when you're there, you know, people will kind of engage you for a minute and they realize you're not a, an absolute fanatic about it and kind of move on, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, it's nice to be somewhere where it's really just kind of like if you're dabbling or if you are literally decked out, um, you know, wearing a kilt and, and holding a, you know, a giant spiked mace with war paint on your face, it's, you know, right. everyone's kind of uh, equally welcomed. I, I, that that kind of vibe is is somewhat, un, it's, it's kind of hard to find, I think, anymore. Um, especially, yeah. and, and the irony, of course, is that we're living in very, very tolerant times, but I feel right. like that the real kind of sense of community and, and uh, camaraderie is, is becoming more and more endangered. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, looking at what we're going to be talking about today, I really feel like, you know, social media has a lot to play into some of those things. Um, I mean, I remember back when, you know, you had chat rooms and things like that, that you would, you know, go into and have conversations with people. And I I remember then like thinking, Hey, you know, here's, I'm going into a martial arts chat room. Here's a group of people that I think I might have something in common with. And all of a sudden, even back then, things turn into, you know, a political issue or a social issue. And I'm like scratching my head going, wait a minute. I thought we were all here for like a common goal 
to talk about this particular thing and, you know, we could relate on this. What, what are we doing talking about, you know, politics or what are we doing talking about, you know, religion? I thought I thought we were here just to, you know, talk about what we have in common, not to talk about what's going to divide us. And I, I feel like to a, to an extent that has progressively gotten worse with certain things. Um, and you've had some interesting experiences, uh, particularly lately, Zach, with uh, Twitter. And so talk to us about that a little bit. Well, I, I want to preface by saying I, I, I don't think this fits neatly under the category of things that people make a big deal out of that they shouldn't. Um, uh-huh. there, there are a lot of things going on right now in the world that have gained national attention and you know made people kind of link arms and say we've got to do something about this. Um, important things that, that deserve attention. But there always have been those things. Um, I don't remember a time when there wasn't, and and yet the atmosphere is very different right now. And I think maybe this is it's just growing pains for the the kind of platform that Twitter is. Yeah. You know, it's it's new; it doesn't know how to navigate. But like, my I, I announced this week that I was just going to start unfollowing anybody who sort of intentionally or actively. I know they're not intentionally, but they are really at the same time, um, innocently or not, starts uh, confusing politics and the gospel, and, and it's a very active thing going on. It's a very ironic thing because we're coming out of a time where everybody who I knew that was a conservative Christian or uh, you know thought of as as very biblical uh, was struggling with or even leaning into and not struggling with uh, confusing the gospel with a, a right-wing political position and agenda. Yep. Uh, and yep. that meant, for most people, spending a lot of time warning against uh, left-wing agendas and promoting, you know, good old-fashioned values or whatever. And, you know, we've seen a move away from that, which is probably a good thing because, you know, it, all these politicians are they're just doing whatever's expedient for them i i i don't want to sound like a, a cynic but i i believe that 99 percent of politicians who arrive in office with actual pure intentions have those compromised out of them quickly or they lose their office um yeah. i don't know if you agree yeah. but and so we, we moved away from that and then i've noticed in the last six months to a year some some big names even not not real big but pretty big um yeah coming out and and it's not my my issue is not with people who have a platform um what's the word advocating positions um i have no problem with that at all i don't have a problem with with especially i have some women on my my that i follow on twitter that i have have no intention of unfollowing who've been sexually abused and and now is a moment where people are thinking about and talking about some of this stuff here in Michigan, we, at Michigan State, we had this this complete serial psychopath pervert guy who was uh, a doctor preying upon young girls. I don't even, I don't know if that's made national news. Uh, probably, um, and and so there, it's a moment where people are are talking about it. People who hadn't spoken are speaking about it, and I think it's wonderful that a conversation is is starting. And and scumbags in the church are being outed as scumbags, and and yeah, things are being yeah. righted. 
And yep. at the same time, there's also a lot of big racial conversation, a lot of this stuff. And and all of this is good. Uh, justice, yeah. I, I'm, I was a founding member of a, a social justice ministry in my town uh, more than 10 years ago. Uh, and it's still going strong. We're actually, at the moment, it became very political and we pulled out of it at my church. But I, I have a, a, a heart for that and I, and I have great respect for it. What I'm starting yeah. to see is people saying a variation of this and I'm going to I'm going to paraphrase but you could just throw quotes around this. Um I know there are a lot of people who think they can quote just preach the gospel or just focus on preaching the gospel, but those people are just privileged and have their heads in the sand and they're stupid and probably evil and here's why. Colon fill in the blank. Um and man, I I'm so just, oh, I feel like when you've eaten way, way, way too much like candy, and and yeah. you look at the bowl of candy, and you literally want to vomit like like striped yeah. vomit of candy. It, it's it's I've hit that point of just nausea. I and I'm just yeah. chopping these people out of my life. Um, here's the thing, and and I I, I steal this from a, a tweet. I think I kind of slid at Gret a few weeks ago. Um, that was probably a couple months ago, uh, to get his take on it. He, he One time, uh, Jared C. Wilson tweeted, and I, man, I, I just stopped and read it like three times and said, holy cow, that is so succinct. He said, every day I have a, at least five or six people telling me why their thing needs to be my thing, but everyone's yeah. thing can't be my thing. And the, the fact is that all Christians are called to proclaim the gospel. All pastors certainly are called to proclaim the gospel. And there are always going to be pastors who have a passion for ending abortion or advocating for equal pay for men and women or whatever. Some of these things are closer to the heart of what the gospel is, and some of them are more matters of conscience, and they're a little more tertiary. But my thing does not have to be your thing, and if it's not, it doesn't mean that I'm dropping the ball. If I say I'm going to focus here on preaching the gospel. And the fact that what has prompted this current atmosphere is the church kind of, uh, with little halting mincy steps, following after the world and saying, oh, this is what we're doing now, um, makes me all the more uneasy with it. And granted, there have been times, many times throughout history, when you know something is wrong and it's happening, and kind of all at once society, uh, including the church, just kind of says we won't, we can't, we can't take this anymore, we can't permit this anymore. But yeah. generally, the church leads, you know. And um, I mean, even like civil rights movement, uh, there were churches that were part of the problem, an awful lot of them. But when it all got done, churches were leading, you know, the the real faithful churches. These these things were being carried out in in that context. And when I see, if you look at Twitter a year ago and two years ago, and three years ago, and a month ago, and I see the things that Christians are really hammering away at changing year to year, and just happen to be changing to follow whatever the current conversation in the world is, and what the world's excited about, I start to go, I call shenanigans, and please, in light of that situation, do not tell me I need to go as nuts on issue X as you are 
or I'm privileged and I don't understand the breadth of the gospel and compare me to, you know, some KKK member uh, pastor during Reconstruction who said, oh, no, I just, you know, I don't care about them slaves. I just want to preach the gospel. No, you, you don't get to do that um, right. because it's logically ridiculous and, and it should make you feel stupid. I've been talking a long time, man. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I agree, and I think I think you hit it on the head too when you when you talked about these different these different um, issues that come up and they flare up and then they die down. They flare up and they die down. We did um, our podcast on uh, gun control uh, and, and gun issues uh, midsummer, maybe is that about when we did it? It was one and, of the first. Yeah, I don't remember exactly when. And, and it's funny because I think you were like, yeah, I still have some people who are kind of going off on that. But for me on my social media, it just totally died out. Mm-hmm. And now, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I'm, not, I'm not seeing anything on that. It's, yeah, all, no. it's all the, you know, something new shiny. Stuff. Has has yeah, has glinted, and and so the twenty four hour news cycle is dictating what what Christians are talking about instead of right. uh, the gospel. And, and right. if it was in addition to the gospel, yeah, we got to engage with the world as it is. What you know, the yeah. situation that's there. The church is called to be, you know, I, I believe part of our role is kind of to be the conscience of society and and you know prophetically kind of rebuke and 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 call the world to be better. But and I know some people don't even agree. So I'm I'm kind of left of center uh, from a lot of people's point of view on that stuff. And even I am going, yeah, you're just being jerked around by the tail. Good good yeah. things, you know. And and I I hate this kind of like business yeah. uh, lingo that people sometimes use in the church. But but good can be the enemy of great. Um, yeah. And, and in this case, you know, it's a good cause can mean mission drift. So I, I wrote a podcast. I wrote a podcast. No, I wrote a blog post once, um, very very lengthy. So I'll just very briefly summarize it. It was about a uh, organization that existed to restore sight to the blind, and they had a very easy and accessible and not overwhelmingly um, expensive issue, uh, method that would restore the sight to half of the blind people. You know, most people it would, it, it would work on more than half, and and yeah. as they were doing it. They started saying, you know, maybe we should also help them deal with, you know, the psychological issues of suddenly being able to see. So they started giving people counselors. Then there was a, a bit of a waiting list to get the thing done. So they started giving counselors to um, the people who hadn't yet gotten the thing. And then they started saying, well, we also want to, you know, provide books with, you know, that are written in Braille. And, uh, you know, maybe we ought to start, you know, getting into other and, and, and long, long article short uh, by the end of it. Uh, they were doing almost everything but uh, bringing it, it had become a machine and it was doing almost everything yeah. but actually restoring the site. Um, it was yeah. doing important work, uh, but not the one main thing that it was called to do. Now, the church yeah. needs to make sure we don't get distracted from the gospel by important issues. We, we bring the right. gospel to bear on those issues, yes, yep. but that doesn't mean. That I mean, there there is a sense out there amongst people, and, and I'm talking about people who wear the the reformed label now. I'm talking about yeah. people who I respect their their ability to exegete a text, who are kind of saying, if you're not talking about these things that I'm talking about right now, then you are being unfaithful to the Great Commission. Right. Uh, 
Yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah. everyone's thing yeah. can't be my thing all the time because right. if I'm doing all of the things, uh, yeah. then I don't have time for the gospel. And if I'm spending all my time chasing my tail trying to figure out what is the one right thing for me to be worked up about at the moment, again, I've taken my eye off the gospel. Yeah. It, and, and yeah. you know, it's like trying to play in tune. You... you, you, you you try. I, I remember I, I had uh, uh, my my acoustic guitar, and a guy at my church, um, an old church, had, had a, a recorder, right? And yeah, yep. a, a, like a kid would play. Only he was really good at it. Like it, it sounded very pretty. And we were trying to figure out how to play in tune so we could do like something during communion. And so we both tried to kind of like we we're like, okay, I think you're a half a step up from me. So if we write the music so that you're half a step down, and we like messed around with it for the longest time, and then. Somebody said, those are both in the key of C, man. They're, they're the same. So we both just tuned to the piano. And suddenly, it was easy. I strummed a C chord. He played the notes in the, in the key of C. And, and it just it worked. And, and I, I think that when we just focus on issue, oh, something else, some different, something, because we're obsessed with the new and what's yes. trending on Twitter right now. We take our eyes off the gospel. And instead of looking through the lens of the gospel, we're looking at the gospel through the lens of... You know, you you tell me whatever issue is important now, and it was it was gun control. Then it was you know it, well, it, right now it's 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 uh, uh, you know uh, Brett Kavanaugh's thing, and, it, and we're all thinking right. about um, uh, you know women who have been victims and haven't spoken up. I mean, these are important things. So I'm I'm saying they're yeah. not things I think we shouldn't make a big deal out of. But right. yeah, you 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 pile your plate. I, I think this is something that probably. Screwtape talks about because Screwtape talks about everything that comes up uh, and, and that, yeah. that distracts us from the gospel. But you know, yeah. just like piling the the plate high with worthy causes uh, yep. and, and and saying you are obligated, I'm binding your conscience and saying this has to be an issue that yes. you are an advocate for right now in this moment. Uh, and then this one too, and this one too, and this one too, until you're like, wait, gospel who? What? Huh? Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I know I'll get hate mail for this. And, and at this point, like I said, I'm nauseous from just overexposure, and I don't even care. I want it. I want the hate yeah. mail. Please. Yeah. Well, and I think I think the point you're making, too, is, you know, when we, when we start looking at these social issues outside the lens of the gospel and we start looking at them from the lens of a political perspective, then we start adopting that political perspective because now – if you're on if you're on the right side of the argument, your your bend is to look at these people who are coming forward and being like, oh, that's ridiculous that all these women are coming out at this time and saying all this stuff. You know, I'm sure it's a bunch of baloney. And if you're on the left side saying, oh yeah, as soon as somebody speaks up, the person they're speaking against is speaking out against is guilty. Instead of looking at the lens of the gospel, saying, you know what, why don't we why don't we show grace to Everyone, and, and I don't mean grace in terms of if somebody's guilty, we let them off the hook. But if if we're showing grace to everyone, then we're going to want to find out what the truth is. And yeah, we're not yeah. going to be so quick to jump behind a political party and voice their views on on one thing or the other. We're going to say, let's let's let the truth come out, and we will deal with the truth of what happens as it comes out, not before. 
But yeah, when we start yeah. jumping behind these political bandwagons, then we start wanting to voice both of those concerns, and both of those are wrong. To sit there and say that you know this person is guilty until we've gone through the the process of of you know proving them guilty um, is you know it, it, it's it blows my mind. But also equally blows my mind to say that. You know, oh well, because that person didn't speak up until now, then it must be a lie. No, we, in light of the gospel, we want to know what the truth is because that's what the gospel is. The gospel is about bringing truth, and and I don't want to blow that out of context either because it is the truth about our sin and our nature. But I think that's what we can do. We can, as Christians, we can know that you know what, there is evil in the hearts of every single one of us. Because that's what Scripture clearly teaches, and so because of that, I I can see how this person could do such a heinous thing, whether it's lying about someone else or whether it's about committing um, these these horrible sexual acts against someone else. I know that the condition of man allows for all of these things to occur, and so I want to see the truth prevail, and I want to see you know how how this is going to be brought to light. Um, and so not jumping to one conclusion or another, but just simply saying, let's find out what the truth of this is. And then let's let the gospel take over because ultimately, you know, if, if, um, this person who was accused of these things is, you know, found guilty and, you know, I mean, let's look at Joseph. I mean, you know, can we think of anyone older in history who was accused of sexual misconduct and was innocent, you know, other than, than Joseph. I mean, but we see how God penetrates and uses that for good, you know? And so looking at everything in light of the gospel is what is going to allow us to prevail all of these social issues. We know we're human. We know we're flawed. We know that Decisions are going to be made that are, you know, going to be wrong. We we know that we put people in prison who are uh, who are wrongfully convicted. We know that you know that that happens. We know we've sentenced people to death who have been innocent. How do we deal with that in light of the gospel? That should be yeah. our number one question. How do we come to these issues in light of the gospel, not in light of? my political view and where my political party stands. And I think you hit two important things there. One is, I mean, the the kind of conventional, and I mean that in a good sense, the, the way that the church has always approached these things is um, the world is over here going, someone's innocent, someone's guilty, there has to be punishment. And, and the church is saying, yeah, yeah, you know, that that is right. God is a God of justice. And we stand here also with the gospel saying, if this guy did these horrible things, there's forgiveness in the blood of Jesus. If this woman is lying about this because this is a political hack job, that's a sin. Yep. And there's forgiveness in the blood of Jesus. And yes. so we're over here offering something that MSNBC and Fox News are not offering, which is, yep. you know, that HuffPost doesn't have, which is forgiveness for you. Um, yes. Repentance and forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. And if we start doing the work of HuffPo, HuffPo's not going to take up the slack and start proclaiming repentance and forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. So there's that. And then there's also, you're sounding again like a Baptist, like at least a purple belt Baptist. Um, in the, because you're talking about a distinction between um, these, these political views, you know, especially for a, a minister. 
So I have political views, obviously. Um, I vote for particular people. My church is not full of people with the exact same political views. That has not been made a litmus test for membership. It is not something that I I teach from uh, the pulpit. Uh, Even where I think things are very important, I try to only focus on what is not a stretch, not I can sort of find this if I look for it, but when I'm preaching the text, here is something. You know, um, yeah, you know, exploiting uh, the poor. Okay, Jesus has a little to say about that, so I'll preach on it. But, but you know, we're not. I'm not going to shoehorn my political views, and that's a very. It's a very Baptist historically. Uh, people are surprised by that, but historically, it's a very Baptist approach. Is to say, um, first table of the law, absolutely. Let the uh, the uh, magistrate come in and. Uh, or rather, don't let the magistrate come in because these are all things that are my relationship with God. That's where the church kind of has their their uh, sweet spot, you know, helping us to not make graven images, helping us to um, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy and, and, and treat God's name. And then the second table, that's where the magistrate comes in and the civil authorities. Uh, and and right. keeping these things separate uh, so that we don't cheapen the gospel uh, by mixing in these human political groups, views, agendas. And frankly, we're going to find these things embarrassing and probably horrifying in a hundred years. Look back a hundred, two years, hundred, two hundred years in the past, and even great men and women were holding to things that now we say, yikes, what the heck? And we're talking about good Christian people and, and the ones that stand the test of time. Spurgeon. Uh, undoubtedly, I mean, held to some things. He was a he was an abolitionist. He was he was somebody certainly that that we hold up as a a man who challenged the world. But if you want to find views that seem absurd, you can find them. Political views. He just didn't right. hang his ministry on them, and so his ministry right. is still intact all these years later. Uh, yeah. And I'm afraid there's going to be a whole swath of of. Uh, what otherwise would have been very influential, enduring legacy type pastors who, because they've pinned it all on these momentary um, flash in the pan type things, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're going to not have the kingdom impact that they could have when they could have still yeah. addressed those things uh, yeah. and, and maintained uh, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and said, look, God would have us treat women well god yeah. would have us yeah. uh treat people uh you know kindly and justly regardless of what country they come from you know so it, it it's yeah. it's a, a question of the tail wagging the dog i think yeah yeah no i agree and it, it's interesting that you say that because immediately um two people that came to my mind in terms of legacy and, and what's going to live on. Um, I think of Billy Graham and his son, Franklin Graham. I think, mm. you know, I think time case will study, come, man, but, right there. Yeah. You know, I mean, Billy Graham really, he, he was political to a certain extent in that he held political views, but, but it didn't matter who was in office. If a president asked him to come and visit them, he would do it out of respect. As a minister you know, of the gospel, not as a political right. operative. Yeah, that's right. You know, and and you look at 
the ministry that Billy Graham had and you look at what he did and what he focused on and it was it was always the gospel but then you look at the impact he had on uh, on social justice as well you know I mean come on one of the most influential people in the USSR to help bring down communism was Billy Graham I mean you know being able to meet with the leaders and talk with them and you know I mean just so much influence in in the social sphere but never compromising the gospel for it and and you look at Franklin Graham and I'm not going to take away from you know the ministries that he has Operation Christmas Child and Samaritan's Purse and all you know all the things that are going on there and and the social things that he's doing but really it it feels like the gospel is severely lacking from there and and you can see the difference in the two i think it's not even that the gospel is lacking it's that the gospel is placed on the same shelf at the same height with the yes. political stuff yes. I, I recently yes. just completely severed ties with an apologetics ministry i'd, I'd uh cooperated with for a while because it was like Facebook post, boom, five reasons why the resurrection must have happened uh, based on facts that everyone acknowledges. Ten minutes later, boom, why are they doing this uh, and not giving Trump a fair shake and here's why the Democrats are blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, you're, you're, you're confusing these things in a yeah. way that is it, basically, it's a poison pill. And yeah. it's it's the kind of thing that especially um, Baptists, especially in the American Baptist tradition, um, going back to Providence, have always avoided. Um, and and the best of us have always avoided. Uh, you know, people think about the amazing impact uh, that John Newton had. And then you think about yeah. William Wilberforce. We talked a bit about them. Is it, is, was it John Newton that, uh, that Kratzy went like berserk on and told us everything he'd ever done? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he, we should have him on uh, just about that sometime. But I mean, like, oh, that would be New- great. Newton preached the gospel, and he preached from whatever the the uh, lectionary had for him that day. He didn't say, "Okay, now time for another half hour speech about uh, abolition." He's bad. Yeah, yeah and, and that is how you have the impact. You, you you see the fruit. You see the leavening effect that the gospel has even on all of society, even those who do not repent and accept the gospel. And when you try to shortcut it, and that's what Twitter's all about, right? Uh, 280 characters, yeah. boom, shortcut. And when you try to shortcut it and just focus on what fruit you want to see, instead yeah. of doing the work of sowing the seed in all kinds of soil and watering and tending and and waiting for God to make it grow and trusting that God is at work um, yeah. it's it, it's you know you, you you might see some short-term results but it's all been compromised because we've we've thrown in with the world half the time and they might want a third of the same things we want but they want to go they want to use all these good things, these good causes, as license to go further and and go into territory that we don't have any interest in going. And there's all sorts of problems that that yeah. you know it's we're buy now pay later, man. We're going to pay later yeah. as the church. Yeah. We really are. Yeah, you know I love that you brought up um, you know uh, Newton and Wilberforce because 
when you think about it, Newton, who was probably far more qualified to talk about the evils of slavery and everything, isn't the one who actually ended up, you know, being instrumental in passing the law. He was instrumental, but he was secondary instrumental. He was faithful in preaching the gospel, and it was his parishioner, William Wilberforce, who was in a position in Parliament who was then able to effect the change. In a position, it, it, that was his job. You know, and yeah, it's his vocation. Yeah. yeah, I think sometimes we forget that, that it would much better suit pastors to speak to people in their vocations and, and have them affect the change where they can in the vocations instead of saying I'm going to take on every single cause in the world and and try to make it all my hobby horse if mm-hmm. you if you focus yeah. on the gospel then you have a whole group of people in your congregation who can then use the gospel to go out and influence the world where they are passionate but, and, and, and to n- me I think that's huge Newton probably had just as big an effect but his role was right. every Saturday night at, as he drifted off to sleep, Wilberforce was broken and beat down and ready to give up and, and empty and dry and, and yeah. hungry spiritually. And Sunday morning, he came into the, the church and was fed and was given strength and was replenished and was given the Lord's Supper and was, and was uh, given the words of life and the gospel applied to him and was able then, therefore, to stand it, years and years and years under the scrutiny and the and the opposition until the work was yeah. done, and, and yeah. so yeah, and I wish, I wish somebody would, and it's not going to be you or me. It's got to be somebody with a bigger quote unquote platform would stand right. up and and make this distinction right now because the people who I would expect to do that right now are some of the people I've just been unfollowing lately because they've they've all kind of they've lost this. Uh, and it's people that I that that taught me this stuff to begin with, right, right, yeah. And I think you know I think there's a lesson in there too of you know not you know you know watching our heroes so to speak when when the things that they that they taught when the things that they say you know that's why we need to stand firm in the gospel because I mean let's face it Zach if you were if you were a dyed in the wool for this person or that person, you would probably go the way of this person or that person. But because you are committed to the gospel, you, you can see where they are going off track and say, wait a minute, that's, that's not true. You, you preach that that's not true. So, so what are you doing now? And I think, I think that's important too, to be able to look at our heroes in the faith and say, well, well, wait a minute. You were saying this, that the gospel is, is important and the gospel is what is superior. There's, um, there's something going around Facebook. It's, it's a short clip of Alistair Begg. And, I mean, he, is, he, he says the exact same thing that we're talking about. He's like, the, the, the role of the church is not... Um, to be going in and preaching social issues from the pulpit. The role of the church is to be preaching the gospel from the pulpit and letting those affect the social issues. Say it with the lilt, dude. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) I'd need a good solid week to practice that one. (laughs) But what's funny is I'm I'm guessing he's probably going to... 
you know, get taken down for that by certain people, even people who would have yeah. been, you know, his his close uh, uh, commiserators. It, it, I saw. I didn't read it. I didn't care to. I saw an article the other day that was like a hit job on the late Jay Gresham Machen, who is someone who I think of as really having held the line on uh, this kind of um, distinction between the world's approach and what ought to be the church's approach. And it, it was like, yes, he was a great, uh, the, the slug line. It was like, yes, he was a great uh, theologian in his own right, but he did all this work. It, it, what was it? Something about privilege and and that compromised. And I was just like, I, maybe, I don't know. But I'd seen, if I'd seen that six months ago, I'd have clicked on it and read about it and said, hmm. But it's just, it's just this constant drumbeat. And I see people swallowing this stuff hook, line, and sinker because, again, it's come wrapped in worthy causes. But there have Mm -hmm. always, always been worthy causes. And the ministers of the gospel have not, uh, traded the gospel for them in the past. I, right. You know who I'd like to hear rant about this is, is one Frank Turk. I feel like he's he's one of these people who um, can articulate this kind of stuff with yeah. the appropriate amount of ire but still not lose his stuff. Yeah, that, that, would, that would be good. Oh, we should have thought about that and had him on. You know, hindsight. <laughs> I know, right? Anyway, what do I know? I'm, a, I'm, I'm on the wrong side of history over here. Apparently, apparently, <laughs> Turks on the wrong side with us, though. So at least we'll have interesting comic book discussions. That's right. We're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. Well, it, it's yeah. It's it's sad when we when we start when we start feeling like we can do a better job uh, of of bringing up issues than the gospel. You know, I mean, in in. I think the irony is when you look at the things that Christ talked about, you know, if you look at the grand scheme of what was going on when Christ was here on earth and how much he, he, you know, railed against social issues and politics, he really didn't. His, his, his fight was against the corrupt religious leaders of the day. That was his fight. You know, I mean, it, it was against the Pharisees. It was against the people who were who were blinding the eyes of the masses to the glory of God, to who he was, to the truth of the gospel. You know, um, and I'm not saying he didn't take up and, and talk about um, social issues. You know, we we can see that there are things that he does. But if you look over the course of the ministry it is his fight is against the the corrupt religious leaders who are keeping people from coming to him you know i mean the 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 harshest rebukes he gives to his disciples are when they're they're pushing the crowds away and he's saying no let them come you know and sure yeah and, and there's you know we we have to take notice of that you know for people who stand up and say you know uh, this is this is one of my pet peeves is people on both sides saying, well, if you're a Christian, then you need to believe this, or I can't believe you're a Christian and you believe this. And it has something stupid to do with a social issue or a political issue. Or even something and, important to do with a political issue or a social issue. Right, right, yeah. The implication yeah. being that, that good Christians cannot differ on secondary 
uh, even very, very vital things. You know, and, and when you, I, I got to say, when you bring up Jesus, um, you know, you often hear people, these, these, these dumb little things, especially uh, like graphics that just are words. And you're like, why is it a graphic? Why is it a movie? It's so that it'll right. show up on people's Facebook feed. And it says like Jesus was a, a radical, you know, Marxist, blah, blah, blah. And people want to really play up the fact that, that Jesus had a lot to, to say to the status quo. He didn't back down from it. You right. mentioned that it was it was uh, because primarily because they the the thing he was fighting against was legalism and and a religion of self merit and and making yourself look clean rather than coming to him and becoming clean. Yeah. Jesus didn't spend a whole lot of time railing against Rome. In fact, that's what right. most of his disciples originally did and wanted him to do. And he said, no, right. he didn't. there was there was Roman privilege. To be railed against, he didn't. I mean, right. there was more Roman privilege than there is white privilege today. Um, th- right. There was um, all sorts of oppression going on. There was all sorts of injustice going on. Jesus yeah. always sided with the oppressed and yeah. always uh, showed God to be a God of justice. But yeah. his focus did not get dragged off in those directions. It was come to me. All who right. weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's the message. All the other stuff's right. important, and it comes along. It's the fruit. It, it's right. coming. Just, right. just good grief. Twitter has so ruined our attention span that we have to immediately jump to the end of everything and try and just, like, oh, quick, tell me the Wikipedia plot synopsis so I don't have to watch this movie because it's two hours long. Oh, quick, blah, right. blah, blah. You know, everything's got to be instantaneous. And... Yeah. I think that's this is a symptom of that. This is I'm not willing to do what the church has always done and what Jesus did, and and trust this fruit to grow and this yeah. leaven to spread. Uh, instead, yeah. I'm going to go. You know, it's like that episode of New Girl when they they wanted to rough it in the yeah. woods and only eat things they could find, and several of them came across like a little farmer's market and bought a whole bunch of stuff. And they're like, really? Avocados? In California, you found these growing in the forest and the stickers are still on them? Um, it's, it, it, it's, it's impressive for a moment. It won't be lasting. And I fear that the social change coming out of it uh, won't be lasting like it could have been either. Uh, and, yeah. and that is, uh, you know, like a secondary tragedy on top of the first of losing, yeah. of losing our... Um, authority to, to speak the gospel because we're the only ones doing it. Yeah. Yeah. One, one of my favorite stories, I've told this on this podcast many times um, because it's just, it's a moment that I really, I had an opportunity to go all political and, and give a political answer. And I, and, and God was able to use it to let me just clearly share the gospel with someone. And it was when I was working um, uh, at the liquor store and my boss comes to me and um, homo- homosexual marriage had just uh, passed legally here in Maryland. And he came to me and he was like, you know, wh- what do you think about this? And I had an opportunity to talk to him politically. You know, I had an opportunity to be like, well, I don't agree with this from, from my perspective. And instead, I, this, was, this was God because I, I know it was because – at that time I was a very political person and I would have rather had the political conversation than the gospel conversation. And I was able to talk to him and say, you know, 
I, I don't agree with this, but the reason why I don't agree with this is because this is less than God's best in marriage, you know, and, and being able to go through and talk about marriage and, you know, the sanctity of marriage and what God thinks about marriage and, you know, bringing that back to Christ and his, and why he came and why he died on the cross, because, you know, we're, we're just sinners. And he looked at me and he was like, so, so really like at the end of the day, you, you really don't hate these people. And he, you know, I was like, no, like I'll have a conversation with them. I'll have a dialogue with them, but how can I hate a sinner just like me? How can I hate a rebellious sinner just like me? This is why Christ came and died. And being able to like to to use that conversation and unpack the gospel, you know, that was the only time in three years that I had a gospel conversation with my boss. And if, to me, if I had squandered that to go into some political rant about homosexual marriage, it would have been a waste. Even though you were saying true things. Right, right. To me, it addressed the issue of homosexuality, but it didn't, it didn't berate it from a political standpoint. I was able to put myself on the same level, a wretched sinner who needs a savior. And, and that's what I, I feel like that's what we're talking about. Like we address the social issues in light of the gospel. It's not, you know, I, it's not that we're better than anyone else. It's, it's that we understand how important a savior is and that we need a savior. And that's why everything should be done through the lens of the gospel, because that's the only thing that's going to change it. I mean, look at the scope of history. Governments come and go. Laws change. Things, you know, things get twisted and turned and messed up. But since the beginning of time, since God promised there would be a savior, that has been the consistent God's faithfulness that he will provide a savior who will come and who will, who will one day eradicate sin. And, you know, that's what we hang our hat on. Not who's in office, not which political hot topic button is up there, not what social hot topic button is up there. Even though these things are important, we address them in the light of the gospel. Yeah, and, and you know, our hope also contains all those promises in Isaiah, etc., that talk about, uh, you know, the, the lion laying down with the lamb and, and uh, all sorts of peace and justice and, and perfection. Uh, and we, we expect those too. Uh, and we work for those, but yeah, um, we're. I think I think we're in danger of uh, going around in circles. And I got a black belt, first degree black belt here with me. Uh, I wonder if I can bring him into the program a minute and ask him an unrelated question from last week. Uh, and that is, uh, what what do you think should happen in Dragon Prince season two? The devilish looking guy. Oh, oh yeah, Master Viren should die. Oh, that was dark. Whoa. <laughs> okay. But what, what should happen? The first thing he says is who should die. I think that there should be a spinoff episode or, or season, series just about Bait, the glow toad. <laughs> I agree. That would be fantastic. All right, man. We got a bill. We're going to go to uh, Chick-fil-A and be super Baptist. Nice. All right, man. It was good talking to you, dude. Zach, as always. Oh, and I wanted to say... <laughs> Oh, I'll do it again. I'll, I'll do it again. Okay. I was going to say, before you before you sign it off, man, I just got to say, I'm sorry once again we didn't get to your uh, topic because I hijacked it with my own. 
That's all right. I feel like I feel like this was nestled in there, though. So <laughs> I, I, I seriously feel like this was one of our best apps. So uh, oh yeah, we, we totally both we brilliant. both got all of our. Uh, what do you? I don't want to say brilliant. I don't want to say eloquent, but like our brilliant eloquent stuff in. So that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, dude. Now we're signing off. We just rocked the Casbah. These go to eleven.